All right, fam, we're back. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 25, so the whole thing. So go ahead and hit pause, get some of your own thoughts, and then come back and hear mine. So quick recap, last time Saul had been appointed king and had successfully done his job. There was a city in Israel that was under attack by the Ammonites. Saul successfully rallied the people of Israel together and defended that city. And so uh, when Saul had first been appointed king, there was some division. Some people were excited about it. Some people weren't. Now that he has actually done his job and he's, he's made the people feel safe, he's been the example of a powerful king that they were hoping for. Now everyone's excited about him being king. And so he now has the approval of the entire nation, which is something that is very important to Saul. He cares a lot about the approval of people. And so now they're They've re, reaffirmed him as king. They did this confirmation ceremony where Samuel officially is passing on the primary leadership role of the nation of Israel to Saul. So Samuel was the last judge and Saul is the first king. So they're moving from the judge system to the king system. So now Samuel is kind of given his, his last hurrah, his, his farewell speech. He's like, as he is handing over the reins of the nation of Israel, he is saying the last thing that he wants the people of Israel to walk away with. And so this is a really, really profound chapter. I think it's one of those that if you kind of just blow through quickly, you really can miss some of the weight, some of the emotion, some of the heaviness of this passage. Um, I think you can really see the character of God in this passage if you slow down enough to, to feel the weight of what's happening. But if you're just reading it for facts, you might miss that. So the flow of this speech, it starts off by Samuel basically just saying, hey, I hadn't done anything wrong, right? Like there's there's no one that's holding something against me because I've wronged them. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't oppressed anybody. I haven't cheated. And people of Israel are like, no, you're great. And so that's important because as Samuel is, is uh, now been assigned to, you know, to uh, appoint the first king, he wants to make sure that the people are wanting a king not because of anything that he has done, but simply because of their own distrust of God and their own uh, not trusting God as king and wanting a human king. And so it's not because of Samuel that they're wanting that. And so he uh, makes them confirm that. So then once they say, yes, you haven't done anything wrong, you're great. Then he moves into telling the story of the nation of Israel. And he points out a pattern where the people of Israel are constantly provided for and protected by God. He brought them out of Egypt, but then they turn away from God and they start worshiping false idols and they start getting pulled into, yeah, basically just giving their hearts to something besides God. And so when that happens, God allows an opposing people to come in and dominate them until they're finally afraid enough and realize that their own insufficiency and so then they cry out to God to save them. And so then God will send in these judges like Jeroboam, Barak, Jephthah. That's a super weird name. And Samuel. So that's verse 11. Samuel like gives himself a shout out in the third person. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. And so then those judges deliver them from the hands of their enemies so that they may live in safety. And so he points out this pattern in the history, the ancestors of these people of the nation of Israel. Then in verse 12, he moves into present day. So he's pointing out that, hey, 
you too have also fallen into the exact same pattern that your ancestors have constantly been living out. So he says that when Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, so this guy, this king, this is the guy that came in and was, was conquering the city of Jabesh Gilead. Uh, and he had also just ransacked a bunch of other cities in Israel before this. So when he was moving against you, you said to me, no, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. So he is pointing out that again, the people of Israel have been dissatisfied with God's leadership in their lives. And so they think that they know what's best and they are running to something that they see as an example in the world around them of strength and protection, that they see all of these other nations that have kings and they say, hey, God, you're not a good enough king. We want a human king. And so again, the people of Israel today, just like in days before, are rejecting God. Verse 13, now here's the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. This is huge. Verse 14, if you fear the Lord, if you fear the Lord, we're going to talk about that, and serve and obey him, and do not rebel against his commands. And if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. So he's saying, fear the Lord and follow him, obey him, and then God will be faithful to you. And God will continue to protect you and provide for you. It'll be good for you. But if you rebel against him, he's going to continue to put his hand against you. And it's going to be bad for you. So follow God, fear him, follow him. So then this, this is crazy. And again, this is where we really need to slow down and feel the weight of this. So Samuel is about to give a demonstration of God's power. And so right now people are, are disrespecting God. They have a lack of appreciation for the power of God. They're not fearing God. They think that a human king is more powerful and more able to protect them than God is. And so they're really, they're feeling great about Saul right now because Saul just beat the Ammonites. And so they're like, see, look, we followed this king who was human king and he made us feel safe and God, you weren't making us feel safe. So this is great. So they just, they don't respect and appreciate the power of God. They don't appreciate his ability to protect them. <laughs> so what happens is, uh, verse 17, is it not wheat harvest now? So that's important. There's no rain during harvest season. All of the rains happen during the raining season and in planting season. And so this is because of the climate of the nation of Israel. It does not rain during the harvest time. And so there should be no rain. But verse 17, I will call on the Lord to send thunder and rain. And you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Then Samuel called on the Lord. And that same day, the Lord sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people all said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. So suddenly these people are shook. Like they are absolutely terrified. Like their worldview just got radically shifted. They had been trusting in Saul's ability to be a king that could rally uh, military might and protect them. Suddenly what they see in the sky is this incredibly amazing, overwhelming, 
terrifying, just massive thunderstorm that just shows the power that God has that is so much bigger and so much more powerful than Saul, right? We need to slow down and, and, and try to picture ourselves as one of the thousands of people of the nation of Israel, the millions of people of the nation of Israel that are all rallied together listening to Samuel right now. Like put yourself in that moment. Like you were feeling good about Saul. You were feeling good about this king. It's like, okay, maybe we're going to become one of the most, maybe even the most powerful nation in the world with this, this awesome king that can lead us and protect us. And, and maybe we'll even dominate all the other countries in the world and we're going to feel safe and powerful and significant. And then suddenly Saul's standing there and the sky just turns into this insane, massive, huge lightning thunderstorm and rain's pouring out of the sky and lightning is striking and thunder is rumbling and you are just terrified. And you're like, there is nothing that Saul can do to protect me right now. And this is an example of the power of a God that I have wronged. That I chose this dude who's standing there next to me getting rained on, Saul, instead of the dude who is making lightning and electricity fly out of the sky. Like I have disrespected, I have rejected the God of the universe. And I absolutely deserve to be punished for it. And so fear has got to be just absolutely taking over the hearts of these people. And we know that like fear is, it spreads. Like if people around you are afraid, like it just makes you more afraid. And that's like, there's groups of people that are afraid. Like the intensity of the fear that is experienced in groups is just huge. And so the nation of Israel is freaking out and they're looking around and looking into the eyes of the freaked out person next to them. And they're freaking out even more. And so terror is absolutely overwhelming these people. And they realize, oh my gosh, I have wronged the God of the universe. I might literally die alongside of millions of people right now. And so you miss that if it's just like, okay, well, the people all said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die. If we have, it's like, that, that, that's not this sing-song voice. It's like, there's absolute petrified terror that is spreading across the nation of Israel. And so it's really important for us to stop and evaluate our view of God in this moment. Our view of God really, really matters in how we interpret this and, and how we, we feel what the nation of Israel should be feeling in this moment. I think for me, I have a tendency to view God as this distant disciplinarian in that he is just kind of standing back with his, his fist cocked, just ready to pop me if I do something wrong. And then I'm just supposed to, to put my head down, to do the right thing, to sacrifice, to suffer, to do whatever it takes to, to honor him. And what I get for doing that is not getting hit. And I think especially in, in this season, it has been incredibly frustrating that I've, I've had all of these ambitions and all of these things that I've been excited about. And I, all of, they've just been flipped on their head and that I, I did not think that I would be sitting in this chair in this living room. I thought I would be 8,000 miles away from here pursuing all of these things that I was really, really excited about. And it feels like so much has just been taken from me. And it, it feels like God has been basically just like either punishing me. It's like, did I, did I do something wrong? Like, is this the, the punch that I'm getting for some mistake that I've made that I honestly don't know what it is? Or is he just like testing me, <laughs> like trying to see if, 
if there's a certain amount of like suffering, is there a certain amount of frustration that I can endure before like I turn away? And he's just kind of like distantly like jabbing at me and seeing how much I can take. And honestly, I just, I have had more doubt of God and his goodness toward me in this season than honestly I've, I've, I've had ever since I became a believer like 12 years ago. And so I don't, I don't know how this season's affected you. You know, coronavirus has, has had a, a big impact on my life, but it's had a big impact on all of our lives. Like none of us have ever been through a global pandemic. And so I've had a lot of missed expectations and frustrations and things like that. And I'm sure you have too. How has that impacted your view of God in this season? Does he feel like this, this disciplinarian that's just ready to, to send in an opposing army as soon as you like turn away from him and that he's just, all right, if you get out of line, I'm going to smack you and bring you back into line. Like as, as things have gone wrong in this season, do you feel connected to God or do you feel like he's just kind of messing with you? What does his face look like as you look at him? What is his facial expression toward you in this season? Because I think as we, as we read the rest of this passage, what we're going to see is the true heart of God. That's actually really, really different than what I just described. And so this, this has actually been really, really special for me as I've read this this morning, because I think I've, I've really needed it. Um, so verse 20 is, is, is confusing. It says, do not be afraid. But as we look, as we look in verse 14, it says, if you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against him, then good. So do not be afraid and fear the Lord. How in the world are you supposed to reconcile those two things? Like, how can you tell me to fear God, but then also do not be afraid? I think we have, we have to understand what it means to actually fear the Lord. Because fearing the Lord does not mean just constantly living in fear of his punishment. Fearing the Lord means that we have an awareness of God's power, of how mighty he is of how awesome and worthy of all of our full attention. Like he is so worthy of everything that we have. He deserves for our full attention to be focused on him and not upon anything else. And so it's an awareness that God is bigger and badder than anything else out there. And so as we fear the Lord, as we are aware of his awesome might, we run to him and we run into his open arms and he wraps his arm around us and he shields us and protects us. So our fear of him, our awareness of his power drives us into his arms and results in us being protected from everything else that's out there. The safest place in the entire universe is in the arms of our father. And so we don't have to be afraid of anything else out there when we're in our father's arms. That we're so tempted to run and to try to find significance and safety and worthiness in all of these things that cannot provide it. And as we chase after these idols, as, as we chase after these bales and asterisks, we're running away from the protection of our Father. That we are assigning more worth and power to these ambitions than we're assigning to God. And so 
It's like we're fearing those things more than we fear God. And so we are running away from the safety of our father's arms into the arms of these other things that can't help us. And so that's where we find our, ourselves having so much anxiety and so much fear and so much just, yeah, feeling not safe as, as, these, as these idols that we've pursued have fallen apart. And as the weaknesses and the inability to actually cover up the holes in our hearts are revealed and all of these idols, all these ambitions that we chase after, we find ourselves exposed because our fear of these things has driven us away from the protection of our father. And so God is demonstrating to the people of Israel, this thunder and rain is saying, hey, look how big and strong I am. Stay in my arms. Don't leave. I've got you because I love you and I want to protect you. And I want to save you from the Ammonites. I want to save you from the Philistines. I want to save you from anything that could threaten you. I want to protect you. You are mine. I got you. No matter what happens, no matter how crazy this world gets, I've got you. It goes on to say in verse 20, you have done all this evil, yet do not turn from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because, this is huge, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. And so, I mean, that that hits me. Um, I'm not an obligation to God. That even though I have screwed up so much, even though I constantly find my heart being pulled away from God to all of these other things that are never going to satisfy me and that are just disrespectful to him. That even though I have sinned over and over again, even though I've turned away from the Lord, even though I've done all of this evil, God will not reject me. He is pleased to make me his own. Even though I have done so much to wrong him, he is pleased. He looks at me with joy, with approval, with love. He is a compassionate, loving father that desires to hold me in his arms. That his face, his face toward me is one of love and wants to draw me in. So yeah, in, in this season, it, it, when I have that mindset, when that mentality of who God is, it just resets the way that I process this whole season. That this isn't punishment just for the sake of making me feel bad for whatever I've done. It's not this test that he's just like poking me, seeing how much I can take. He is weeding idols out of my heart. He has shown me the things that I chase after that make me run away from him. And he's using this, this frustrating season of confusion and anxiety to, to show the things that I am anxious about. <laughs> he's showing me the things that I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that I'm not trusting him with because those things represent idols in my heart. And he's not letting me numb out my heart with all my pursuits and all my ambitions and all the things that I chase after. I can't chase after those things. And so it's revealing the, my heart and showing me what it is that I'm putting my hope in, in significance and joy in that's not him. Because God loves me and he's pursuing me. He's not punishing me. He's pursuing me. Verse 24 says, be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. 
I can't serve the Lord with my whole heart. I'm a, a sinful, evil person. And I'm just so, so prone to just find significance and to find my meaning and all these things that are not God. And so I need God to change my heart, to rip these things out of my heart, to take away all the things that are not him. And so this is God faithfully, lovingly pursuing me. And so what is God, what is God doing in your heart in this season? Um, it's crazy. I just, I'm reading these passages and I just don't expect them to hit me as hard as they do. But as, as I dig into it, I'm like, man, I need this. And I need God to display his power to me, to help me see how much bigger he is than all these other things that I can chase after. What are you chasing after? What are you running after that's not God? What are you anxious about? What are you dreaming about? What are you fantasizing about? What are the thoughts in your head that you are using to make yourself feel desirable and significant and worthy? What are you afraid of? What are the things that you are fearing more than you're fearing God? And, and as you think about that, I hope, I hope that you don't feel shame. Like I hope you don't feel ashamed of yourself for having these fears that are bigger than your fear of God because you're a broken, sinful person. Like we, are, we all have deeply ingrained patterns. We all have deeply in, ingrained lies that we believe that convince us to, to find significance in things that are not God. And so as you sense yourself feeling anxious about things, God is not, again, a disciplinarian, angry God that's just going to hit you for running to these things. He wants to be with you in that. He doesn't want to hit you and then take it from you. He just wants to take it from you. He wants you to turn with these anxieties and these fears and these frustrations and whatever it is, and he wants you to hand them over to him and he wants to lovingly take them from you. And it might hurt, but that's just because it has to hurt, not because he wants to hurt you. Is that we just have these deep, deep, deep lies that we believe in rooting them out is just painful. And so God wants to lovingly be with you and comfort you and help you as this painful process of removing these idols comes out of your heart. And so what are those idols for you? What are you seeking significance in? What are you doing to try to make yourself feel desirable, to make yourself feel lovable, to make yourself feel significant? How are you trying to find joy? How are you trying to find peace? How are you trying to find safety and security? How are those things pulling you away from God? What kind of conversation can you have with God about those things? What does he want to tell you about those things? What does he want to take from you? What does he want to fill the void left behind by those things with? Hope you guys have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow.